Welcome to the Rock Your Life Show. Where questions meet answers. The profound meets the mundane. And we help you rock rock your your life. life. We are your hosts, the Vignatis. I'm Tracy. And I'm Fabrice. Hi, everybody. Happy Valentine's Day. I know it's a little bit early. And if you don't have a Valentine, I suggest you go out and get one with four legs. We're about to do that. Yes, we are. And uh, hashtag adopt, don't shop. I'll get to more of that at the end of this episode. I am so happy to be here again for another edition of Rock Your Life show. It's February Black History Month. Yes, it is. Very important. Let's watch some good movies and then uh, let's be positive. So how about a little business? Uh, We usually do this at the beginning. If you are not following us on your preferred platform, please do so and share this within your circles. If you're an Apple podcast user, please leave us a review. That would be very helpful so that we meet other people. Uh, We reach other people and If you have any questions, please email the show. It'll be in the show notes. Um, The topic of this month. So um, for those who follow us, uh, many times you have seen some concept or heard us, Buddhist concept of heard us talk about Buddhism. We, both of us, have been practicing and our fervent uh, uh, aficionados of Buddhism. Well, I try my best. I, well, I, I feel like I'm just learning after yes. a bazillion years. But As somebody said, the more you practice Buddhism, the less you know. The less <laughs> you know, and it's really true. And that's why we are here to remind ourselves. But we are here as well to give you a, um, some kind of a, a knowledge about what we do as Buddhists when we say we're Buddhists and what kind of Buddhism we we practice and the history of it, but just we entitled this podcast Buddhism. Yeah, I think what we're going to do is give like a bird's eye view. Mm. It's a very general, global kind of sweep. Not a lot of detail because this it's infinitive. So even after as many years as I've been doing this, I still feel like I don't know anything. <laughs> so of course, being the nerd that I am, let's start out with a definition. Buddhism is a religion of Eastern and Central Asia growing out of the teaching of Siddhartha Gautama that suffering is inherent in life and that one can be liberated from it by cultivating wisdom, virtue, and concentration. Buddhism is one of the world's largest religions and originated 2,500 years ago in India. Buddhists believe that the human life is one of suffering and that meditation Spiritual and physical labor and good behavior are the ways to achieve enlightenment or nirvana. Yes, so this is a, a, a this is a, a, a nice definition. It gives you a lot of information here uh, concerning the time frame, and then Wu was the main character, which is Siddhartha, which is the Buddha statue that you see everywhere in people's garden. We're going to talk about it. And um, as well, what the purpose is. So it's yeah, those statues are more like a, a representation or a symbol. Correct. Representing exactly. Yeah. So let's talk about the overall Buddhism. If you look at it like a, a circle chart or a pie, 
it's cut in half into big two major sections or for a syntax, let's call them sects. So there's two divisions, so to speak, of Buddhism. There's the Hinayana on one side and the Mahayana on the other side. These are the two major divisions, so to speak. Mm. So Hinayana is originated in India and then migrated up in through Laos, Burma, and Myanmar. And those texts are usually written in Pali. It's a, a language. <laughs> Don't ask me to write any because it's not going to happen. And that tends to be a little more of a conservative view of Buddhism. On the other side, the Mahayana is more of a northern Buddhism, and it's usually associated with writing in Sanskrit, which is the classical language of India and China and Tibet. So you can already see the, the migration into China and Tibet. And the Mahayana is a little more liberal, so to speak, or, or a little more progressive in its thinking and beliefs. Yes. So slightly different origins yep. and beliefs, but the main difference is that the Mahayana is a little bit more liberal and progressive. So why don't we look at those just a little bit briefly? Yeah, each of them. Mm -hmm. So Hinayana, considered the founder of Buddhism, uh, Siddhartha Gautama, as an ordinary human being who attained nirvana or a transcendent state where there is no suffering, no desire, no sense of self, uh, being released from any kind of karmic effect in the cycle of death and rebirth. So in other words, a final destination or a, a location. And although it's a kind of a negative connotation, the name Hinayana means small vehicle. It's a little bit maybe down off-putting to some. So it could be, yeah. They changed the name I, I, without getting into a lot of history. We're just giving to you. It's it's an older version. Let's just say that. Right. That's the one you found in Tibet. That's the one you found in all India. And it did not believe in it does not believe in the divinity of the Buddha. While Hinayana seeks those just a few strong souls who require nothing external or aid or consolation of worship. It's somewhat conservative and it might be considered to many as uh, simplistic. Yeah. So. Pretty much. And then on the other side, the Mahayana Buddhism. Now this, as much as Inayana was considered as the small vehicle, this one is considered as the great vehicle. And he believes in the divinity of the Buddha. Now, when we talk about, okay, again, this was founded as well uh, by a, a Gautama Buddha, and it's considered him as a divine, uh, divine uh, being who guided his followers into Nirvana. Now, when we talk about divinity, it means reaching enlightenment. So you can see that Inayana Buddhism doesn't believe in that divinity, doesn't believe in regular people 
to be awakened or to be enlightened, where Mahayana does consider it. That's why it's called the great vehicle. And this person spent a lot of time, if you know, if he's looking out how to relieve suffering. Um, this guy was not a god, and there's no god in that type of Buddhism. He's just an enlightened human being. As the best that we know is the person went and enlightenment under the Bodhi tree. That's mainly in society how we see it. Oh, um, he's the person that became enlightened. But it stressed the individual salvation through self-discipline and mediation. And Mahayana Buddhism gives a positive ideas of the ultimate issue of life. That's a very important point. Because as the great vehicle, it encompasses all the issue that is important into life. As well, another big difference is that there is no um, restriction in Mahayana Buddhism. You don't have to renounce to anything concerning what society offer, whether it's money or anything in the modern world, where that's why there's no monk or no places where you, you, you don't have to be in society. I'm talking about the modern one, but it's basically what happened to Siddhartha. He went into, he was a prince and he went into the city and one time and he saw those people suffering and he's like, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm going, I'm not going to stay in that, that castle or anything. I'm going to go down among the people. And his first thing he, he thought is that I have to help release suffering. So you can see for him what is important is society. And that's basically what's important in Mahayana Buddhism is that you go in society. And that's why it's called the great, the great vessel. Because it brings through faith and, and through knowledge, it brings change to the people and it brings help to the people. So this is basically the two sides of Buddhism. If you want to know more about um, Siddhartha, there is a great uh, uh, documentary that is narrated by Richard Gere, uh, and it's called uh, The Buddha, The Story of Siddhartha. And he explained those two ones very clearly. So that will give you uh, uh, some kind of a better knowledge of who the guy is, why he did that, and why is all the, the, the writing and all what's related. We can't go too much into it, but we wanted to give you those two major part of what, when we hear the word, oh, I practice Buddhism. Well, people don't know the difference between that there's two types of Buddhism, the older one and then the more progressive one. And that's the one we practice. So Buddhism, like anything else, migrated and things are always evolving through time. So it started in India, went through Tibet, China, Korea, then ended up in Japan. So we're going to flash forward yeah. and fast forward through the the uh, video. And here we are. Not video, but you know what I'm saying. <laughs> so let's talk about Japanese Buddhism and the Buddhism that we actually practice. And this is Nichiren Buddhism, founded by Nichiren Daishonin. Nichiren Daishonin, uh, it 
he was a 13th century monk in Japan. It originated with the teachings of Shakyamuni, also known as we've established Gautama, Buddha or Siddhartha Gautama, who lived about 2,500 years ago. And of course, being later, this Buddhism falls into the Mahayana side. And it espouses bodhisattva practice as the means of enlightenment. So it's for your thoughts, words, and actions for yourself and others. It's not just the self. Whereas the Hinayana really only focuses on the self. And that's why, yeah. that's the difference where people say, oh, I practice Buddhism, I meditate. Meditation is what we call for the self. But we expand it to others. So it traveled from India through Tibet, China, Korea, and Japan. So over the 1900 years since Shakyamuni Buddha, the teachings had become increasingly misunderstood and kind of fragmented. Of course, that's going to happen. Yeah, we did. And then there's a lot of tributaries that happen in people's thinking, and you've got this branching off of that. So Nichiren Daishonin the 13th century monks studied all of these Buddhist teachings for years to try to understand the essence of what Buddhism is. So Yahtzee, <laughs> he finally found the core teaching, which was the last work that we know of written by Siddhartha Gautama, which is the Lotus Sutra. So as we know today, what we refer to as the title of the Lotus Sutra, it's, it's more of the intention behind the meaning of the sutra. It's called Nam Yoho Renge Kyo. Yes, because uh, after reading the Lotus Sutra, Nichiren Daishonin, this monk, realized that basically the title of the Lotus Sutra will be Nam Yoho Renge Kyo. So it took the it took the practice the first step beyond Shakyamuni, okay? That's what he did. Not only he made it, instead of making it only theory, he turned it into practical, some kind of action, right? And he took it. Imagine this. Back then, you have a guy that's taking something that's been dormant for so long. Mm. He gives it a title. And then he's like, I'm going to start repeating this title over and over. Can you imagine how many people wanted this guy's head <laughs> on a stick? Yeah, that's true. That's so anytime, anytime you run counter to anything, you're going to get resistance because people don't like change. Yeah. Get out of my sandbox. You're, you don't belong here. So anything different, if it's too different, you're going to catch a lot of crap for it. So he took that a step further and developed this chant, Nam Yoho Renge Kyo, which that chant allows each individual person to tap and enliven the level of life to bring forth your what we call a life force inside of you that everyone possesses and to draw out that life, life force and your wisdom and apply it to everyday life. It's not just a moment that you do 
you feel it and move on. No, this is to permeate your life on a daily basis. And believe me, when I tell you this, it can be run counter to what people want to hear. And it can be very, I don't want to say controversial, but if it's something too different, people oftentimes want to attack it. That makes sense. Yes. Well, the other thing too is that it's very revolutionary. At of that course. Time. Anybody. That's, why, that's why the guy got persecuted. Right. You know, so many times. Like every every time you do something revolutionary. How long is the list? I could go on and on. Martin Luther King Jr., persecuted. Yeah. Nelson Mandela, persecuted. Princess Diana, persecuted. Rosa. Mother Teresa, persecuted. Rosa Parks, persecuted. The list goes on and on and, and on. And so many other people. Right. Like that. So but that, the, those are just some examples so that when you are that kind of revolutionary thinker, you better expect to get some crap. And think about it. He was a monk. So basically a monk among other monk monks at that time. So why him? Mm -hmm. But because he studied the, the Shakyamuni and the Lotus Sutra and he realized that the Lotus Sutra uh, is the uh, essence of empowerment. And as, that's why any name it Namion Yukio, which we're going to explain to you uh, later what it is. But so what did he do practically? Because he had to put this theory into practice. So first thing what he did is he inscribed a, a mandala, uh, which is in this practice we use. It's called the Gohonsan. And he, 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 he printed it, carved it with... Into wood with sumi ink. Correct. And so many, there's so many things on that Mandela, which we use right now as a mirror, but we'll talk about it after. Then what did he do else? He created uh, he, 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 the chanting. He said, oh, you have to do that, that Lotus Sutra, the title of that Lotus Sutra, you do it over and over. And then after that, what did he do? He said, well, I have to do some writing too so people can study. So what he did, he wrote what's called, we call the Gosho, which means the book, it's the books that he, he wrote, two big books with letter. Actually, it's made of letter because here's what happened. Letters. Letters. Here's what happened. He didn't want to write something basically that is not related to others or related to daily life. So instead of writing some theory, 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 what he did is wrote letters or statements. And this is a collection of those letters that you can find. And basically, you can read it and you can see is communicate with people. Uh, and encouraging them because he never dissociated the fact that, oh, if I'm doing this Buddhism, that form of Buddhism, I'm going to help others become happy myself. But, and it's by become, helping others become happy that I am going to. Well, it's happy. like taking a class. Exactly. When you take a class and you might be struggling with something, you're the student of the teacher. You're attracted to the class, which is why you signed up for it. So the same thing during his time, people may have heard, wow, this makes sense. I'd like to uh, look into this further. Then he'd have someone who said, I'm struggling with this, and then the sickness, and then the, yeah. you know all kinds of war that was going on. So he would write to these people who believed in what he was doing, and he'd write them letters of encouragement. And it's not like, hang in there, it's all going to be okay. This is very, it's very deep and involved in all of that stuff. But within the complexity of it, there's simplicity, if yes. that makes any sense. You know how Buddhism is. It is, but it isn't. You know, all that stuff that we can't wrap our heads around. The yin and the yang, yeah. 
It, it is, but it's not plus. Yes. Yin, yeah, yin and yang, the mutual um, possession and all that stuff. So, so that's what that's what it is. They're letters of encouragement yeah. and teachings. That's all it is. And then after that, of course, you know, when he left, he said, "Well, this is what I'm going to do." That was his mission in this life. Is his life at that time? And then uh, he left. He left basically all those letters, and he left this Mandela. And then he said, that, "Well, if you chant those words." You can become happy and you can gain four things. You can get the, the, some wisdom, which you can buy. You can get some courage, which you can buy. You can strength your life force. and Which you also cannot buy. Which you also cannot buy. And then the fourth one is... Uh, compassion. Compassion, which is another one that you, you cannot buy. purchase on Correct. Amazon. So here's the four things that he said if you do that. So if you... Uh, if you chant Nam Yo Rengekyo, if you study those letters of encouragement in case of you get stuck, and then if you uh, uh, chant to the mirror, because we'll get to it, but it's basically a, a mirror. That's what it is. So after all of this work, he did all this work, and he had you know, various followers and lay people and even disciples underneath him. He does all this work. He passes away. And what happens after that? It kind of goes dormant. Yeah, because it, it, actually it, it didn't uh, right away, but the guy was so powerful that he's like, whoa, you know, uh, it was hard to follow, but he had some mentees that he, he had, some, some other monks that was interested in what he was doing, as everything it is. And then they split off and do their thing and their thing. And, you know, and things... It's like the telephone game. Yes. But just because we're talking years and years that go by, Correct. you know, things are never, it's very hard to preserve the authenticity of the original workings. But that's why this is so important, what we're talking about. Right. And there's, and so what happened with all this is that he made realize people that, yeah, the power is inside of me, that the highest form of happiness is not outside of myself is inside. So in the Buddhism that he created, the Namyo Horenge Kyo Buddhism, based on the Lotus Sutra, we call it the Buddha nature because he realized, basically, as much as Siddhartha realized under the Bodhi tree that I'm the power, then what this monk did is that, well, yes, I have the power, Theoretically, but I have to put it into practice. So it's called the Buddha nature. Why? Because it's a nature that we have in us, and it's the nature that compensate, compensate the, those four elements, uh, wisdom, courage, life force, and, um, and compassion. I mean, those four ones. And so Shakyamuni became enlightened as a young man. So is Nichiren and Daishonin. And then he's realizing that another factor, that there's the law, the law of cause and effect. And so he realized that by the law is what, in the Lotus Sutra, he realized that the law is what governed the universe. And he said if the human being can understand the law and practice according with this law, they'll gain those four they gain internal power, they become happy because they are being in control of their causes. 
and therefore in control of the effect. So basically, this Buddhism traveled, and then at the end uh, of his teaching life, he gave them what he felt the highest form of teaching, which is the Lotus Sutra. And when he told those people that, yes, inside of you, don't look for happiness outside of yourself, look happiness inside, which I'm going to call it the Buddha nature. I am the Buddha. And that's why it's the difference between the inner, the inner Hayana Buddhism, Hinayana Hina Buddhism, and then the other way, Mahayana Buddhism, is that, yes, I am the Buddha. I am the enlightened. And, and I want to make it clear that everyone has this nature. Correct. That's the most important thing. It's can you activate it? Right. Like just when you have a car and you you don't have the key to start the engine, you need a key to slide it in it and to start it. Well, this guy said you, everybody has it. Every human, he realized that every human being has it. But we just need the key to start the engine and to activate what's called your Buddha nature. So... He, he, this enlightenment, which is called Buddha nature or enlightenment, is, is inside of you and encompasses the state of freedom, unshakable happiness, and a tremendous life force and deep wisdom. Okay? And that is stated that all this all his teaching prior to the Sutra should be regarded as pre, pre, uh, provisional. Okay. What I want to say here is that he basically declared that this old Buddhism, Hinayana Buddhism, is is old. Mahayana Buddhism is forward. And now I'm taking a, an even further step. I'm putting into practice. With regard to the Lotus Sutra, I sort of want to relate it to, it's probably going to change in three months because the technology moves so fast, but... It's as though it's the M2 chip. So for anybody who remembers the first Apple computer, yeah, the basic technology is still there, but it's slow and it's older and it's not applicable now. But if you move through time and you look at the M2 chip, it's applicable to times now. This is the most updated version. That's sort of what the Lotus Sutra is. So you could even look at it for any musician out there. If you, your albums, your latest one is probably your best. You know, you want to put that out and you go, no, 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 those are okay, but I want you to listen to this. So it's kind of the same thing by staying current. So the Lotus Sutra is what he prioritized as the most meaningful work. Everything else was a means for him to get there. Correct. And that's what he did. So he, he basically, the most revel uh, re revelation, biggest revelation he did, he said, no, no, everybody is the Buddha. We are, I am, we are all. All we need to do is to activate it. So what does he mean by activated this enlightenment and this Buddha nature? Well, we've all heard this. Oh, I just I feel like I'm in rhythm with the universe. I'm really connected. What does that mean? Right place, right time. Right. You hear that. It's a simple principle of cause and effect, and it's expressed in Nam-myoho-renge-kyo. So we're going to break down what that chant actually means, okay? Which is, remember the title, 
he decided of the Lotus Sutra. Yeah, it's the intentional meaning behind the sutra. Yeah. But so again, that Buddhist thing gets a little bit complicated. It's not technically the name of it, yes. but it is the intention behind it. So therefore it kind of became its title, its intention. So let's look, work at, look at the word nam, N-A-M, nam. That comes from a Sanskrit, namas. You may have heard namu. And that means devotion or devote dedication to oneself. You can see that when you go to India, you can see they have a little drop on the here. That the, that's called the bindi. The bindi. I and think that's called the bindi, the dot that's the, between the eyes. That's, that's I'm because not sure to be it's the devotion to the eye of the Buddha, which is basically the third eye, the eye of the wisdom. And that's what it is. So that's why you see them in India, because Buddhism comes from India. But I think it means marriage, too, or something, uh, depending on the yes. color. I'm not really sure. But anyway, and so that's the dedication. And believe me, dedication is very important. So um, it is an addition, because normally we say there's five characters. The Myo, Ho, Rain, Ge, Ekyo. Those are the five characters. But the Nan was added because of the de dedication that you need to devote yourself to yourself and to the happiness of yourself and others. It's a commitment. It's a commitment. That's what it is. So let's look at myoho, the word myoho, M-Y-O-H-O. -O. You can divide it into two syllables. And the translation, it can be translated as mystic or wonderful for the myo part. And the ho means law. So the law is mystic because our brains know comprendo. Like we can't really wrap our heads around what the law means. And what's so difficult to understand it? Well, it's the wonder of just ordinary people beset by delusion and suffering awakening to this law in your own lives and, and bringing out your internal wisdom and compassion, which we had mentioned earlier, and realizing that you're inherently a Buddha and you're able to solve your own problems and those of others. Like you have that internal power. It's activating that, that mystic nature that we can't go to a doctor and say, um, help me get some wisdom. Yeah, they're going to look at you and go, um, I have a good uh, psychiatrist for you. <laughs> yeah. So it, it's it's inexplicable sometimes, the mystic law. But it's transformational. It can transform anyone's life. Yeah. Even somebody who's super unhappy or suffering, whatever it is. And this can happen because it's that question mark. Under any circumstances, it can happen. You hear stories, whether it's on the news, whether you read it in a book about, we have no idea. Suddenly, my mother just got better. We don't know why, but she did. That's internal. It's because as much as the sickness was inside, the, the, um, the solution, and the, it's just internal. So there's always the two things. There's the sickness, and then there is the solution how to overcome the sickness and that's mental and, and it could just be an internal change change of a mindset that 
redirects how your body functions. And that's where the... I'm not saying that's the only thing, and we are not MDs or giving any kind of medical advice or anything like that, but... The point is, happy mind, usually happy body, even if your body isn't responding the way that you want it to. Happiness will permeate that, and you'll be able to live a productive life. Look at, I have to use, I'm sorry, I have to use Stephen Hawking, because that disease ate his body up, but he did not allow it to stop him. He's still probably modern day, the most brilliant mind that's ever been on this planet. So a couple of things about Myoho, Myo, uh, like you say, is the mystic part. So when you look at an iceberg, there's the iceberg on the top, and then there is the bottom. Actually, everything that is in the sea is way bigger than what's on the top. So it's the mystic part. It's what you cannot see. For example, the radiation, uh, you can see them, or the radio waves, you can see them, and yet they are existing. The air, you can see it, but we need to breathe it. So it's the mystic part that the mind cannot know. And how it's his manifestation, uh, or the, means the law. Why? Because you can manifest everything with the law of cause and effect. You can manifest your happiness. You can manifest, uh, you, make, you work hard at something, you're going to make it happen. So it's just the revelation of cause and effect. Mm-hmm. So the myo is the mystic part. Now, the problems is that as human beings, we don't understand what's mystic. So we are, well, forget it. We only want to see uh, what we can see and believe what we can see. But unfortunately, it's not the way. So that monk said, no, no, we have to definitely take in consideration that the mystic part is part of it. And I'm telling you, if, if you believe in the mystical way, things, you'll change your life too. And the same with... Ho, which is the law of cause and effect. It will manifest. And then the second part, the other point I want to make is the law of cause and effect. Think about it. The law of cause and effect is like the law of gravity. You can see it. It's not visible, but it does exist. So is the law of gravity. You can see it, but it's if there's no law of gravity here on Earth, well, we can't stay on, that, on this ground. So the law of cause and effect is the same thing. Is a law that basically governs the universe, and it's a law that is very important to understand and as well to put in practice, which is the whole things about that monk was to put in practice. And that's the power of Myo, the combination of the two. Let's look at Renge. Renge means lotus blossom. It's actually a metaphor that offers insight into the qualities of the mystic law. If you've ever looked at a lotus flower, how amazing it is. It's fragrant, it's pure, it's gorgeous. And where does it grow? It grows in muddy water, similar to what we do, because we always have this dichotomy, happiness and unhappiness all around us, positive, negative. It is the only plant that I know of that seeds and blossoms at simultaneously at the same time. So it's sort of the, it relates to the beauty and dignity of life. And it brings forth amidst all the sufferings of daily crap, the beauty. Yes. So as Tracy said, uh, the she said it, 
offers further insight into the qualities of this mystic law. So as she said, and a mystic law, it is a mystical law, but it's very important. And somehow this, this uh, lotus flower, which is a beautiful flower, like she said, it's in the mud. So if you're a beautiful human being and you find yourself in a place where you don't like it, well, then you are this lotus flower into the mud. Now, might be difficult to understand in practice, easier in theory. Well, I am the lotus flower, okay? But, well, if you are, put yourself into the mud, you become the lotus flower, which means you blossom. And it's a representation of that mystic law, the cause and effect. The last syllable is kyo, which means sutra. Teaching. And it can mean teachings. It can be verbal sounds. And it's because it's a teaching, it helps to permeate life into the universe, the eternal truth. So when you pass, you're, you're a teacher when you chant these words or when you when you uh, learn this practice and you want to pass it on to someone else, you're going to do it through words. You might do it through an email, but either way, now in modern times, the kyo literally means sutra or teachings. Yes, because again, this monk said, uh, well, I want to help others become happy. So I have include this teaching into the name of it. So that's why it's called Myoho, the mystic part and the part that you can see, and then Renge, the cause and effect, and then the cure, which is the teaching, because I need to pass it on. It's not only for me to become happy, but it's to help others become happy. Now, what I can say from my own experience is that for anyone who does chant these words, you can align with the universe. It helps to calm your mind if you have an active mind like me. It helps you stay focused. It helps you tap into your wisdom. Helps you to be a little more functional in daily life and help you have new and ideas that come to you to maybe help you get unstuck or undeadlocked and you can transform things. You can. It's true. I have, I'm the, because I'm the, I'm, 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 I tried to prove it wrong in the beginning. Yeah, I tried to find do. any intellectual way where I could prove it wrong. Well, because we attach to the theories like, mm -hmm. oh, this is a little bit crazy. But then when you put it in practice, then you realize, oh, it works. And it, it's, it's about personal empowerment, tapping into your innate power that's in all of us. And it's the goal life. I think the purpose of life, life is to be happy. Yes. And everything that we're saying, whether you chant, read this, blah, 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 the greatest news of all of this is it doesn't cost you a dime. It costs you a little bit of your time. You don't have to pay anything to chant these words. You can chant them when you're driving, when you're sitting on a blank a wall, when you're, you're in the shower, wherever it is that you feel you have the time to do it. Yes, and one, one power of chanting is deadlock. When you deadlock, that's the hard part. 
But I noticed from my time chanting that I never get that lot because by chanting, since I empower myself, then I found the power to un to get out of the, a deadlock situation. And then on the top of that, because life is full of obstacles, I gain the power to overcome this obstacle. And I gain the power to see those obstacles as not an obstacle, but opportunity. And we all have those obstacles, the blocks and the suffering in our life. You can't, as good as you are, you can get away from, from suffering. You can get away of obstacle in life or blocks or anything. Sorry, it is. But thinking about this way of that monk, what he did, and thinking about this Buddhist, particular Buddhism, we use that as a source of growth and fulfillment. And, you, and, and, then, and then if you decide to practice and do what we do, you'll find that this practice is entirely practical. That's it. We're going, we, we, we chant into it, and we're going to go over it. But that's what it is. And, and you can use that to address your issue of your daily life. That's what's important. You apply it to your daily life. And it's a practice, like she said, Tracy, of a personal empowerment. And just do it and try it. Now let's talk about what the actual gohanzen is. Well, if anybody's ever been to Japan or if you've been to a Japanese store, sometimes you see scrolls that are vertical. They're rectangles and they hang uh, vertically. And they have a lot of Japanese uh, characters on them. Well, this is not visually much different from that. Without getting into a ton of detail, it is a representation of your own life with Nam Yoho Renge Kyo vertically written down the center. There is a focal point to help your eyes be able to zero in on like the target, so to speak. But there's all kinds of characters written around it, representing bodhisattvas and Buddhist uh, protective forces and all of this. That's entirely too much detail to give. The point of the scroll is to help you have a focal point. It's not necessary, but it is helpful. And when you focus, I think that for me, when you have that, you're looking at yourself. It's like you're looking in the mirror every day. A blank wall is a great place to start, but once you have this kind of mandala in your home, then you're like, oh, I guess I am doing this thing. And you have, it helps me connect a little bit more. And mm, you're yeah. not praying to it. You're looking at yourself. Yes, the better example I do is that when you, in the morning, you, you can't see your high, high lashes and you need to comb your hair or you need to shave. or You need a mirror to do that. And so the same way you need a mirror to see inside of you. And so this Mandela that this monk left, uh, is it's a mirror. It's to reflect, to see inside. And on it, there's, of course, the character that he left that we've been explaining, Nami Orengekyo, is written in the center. And of course, we focus on the Myoho, which is the, the most important part. The mystic, the mystic law. law. The mystic law. Exactly. And it's, uh, it's important to have, uh, uh, to have it. You don't have to have it. Um, I started without it. And for many months, I did it without it. But the most important is to chant, is to do this activation and chant those words over in Namiyo Nagikyo. But in, 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 we have that 
we have that in our home and we sit down, Tracy and myself, we sit down every day and we uh, chant and activate what the highest potential of ourselves. Well, not to mention it's a beautiful scroll. When oh, you, if you ever see one, you can see any kind of Japanese scroll. They're beautiful. It doesn't matter what they are. If it's Correct. talking about art, if it, it, it is a piece of art because yeah. the Japanese stuff tends to be very clean lines and, and very just not a lot of clutter. And it's just a beautiful thing to have. And it's, it's, it's enclosed into what we call a, 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 a Bootsudan, which is an altar. Like you see, when you go to a, a Buddhist monk, a Buddhist uh, temple or any, uh, it's, with door closed and it's beautiful because you have that in your home and then there is the the, the five elements the, the, the yeah that's too complicated you know, but, <laughs> but you can get all that and we'll tell you how to get all this information which is a uh, very important but it's such a great thing so let's go with the practice now the uh, practice yeah the practice what is what is that all about so well the practical part taught by Nietzschean, like yoga there's a practice there's there's things that you do it's not uh, required, but if you want to get better at something, you practice. You want to get better at your instrument, you practice. You want to get better at reading, you read more. So taught by Nietzschean, the, uh, I'm going to say tofu <laughs> of, and potatoes, it's the, the, the crux of it is the chant itself. That's the, uh, the, Plat principal yeah, <laughs> of the practice, which is Nam Yohu Renge Kyo, repeat, repeatedly chanting it over and over. Just give them an example so they can hear it. You say Nam Yohu Renge Kyo, Nam Yohu Renge Kyo, and you do that over and over. And for any musician, you can look at it as 6 8. And it's a very simple meter. Yeah, so. and you can do that at any speed. So you go Nam Yohu Renge Kyo, Nam Yo, or you can do it fast. It depends, mm -hmm. but whatever feels comfortable for you, it's what's important. You probably saw Tina Turner. Uh, uh, she was a she was practicing that Buddhism, uh, and she, there's a scene where she does it in that film. In that film, yeah, she did. What's love uh, got to do with it? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Mm -hmm. And then she did. She, I think she did it a little bit on the. Uh, King um, Larry King when he's alive, yeah. yeah. And there's other other uh, uh, people who practices that was able to. But that's what we do. So we sit in the morning and nighttime. Why? Because it's morning and night. We in the morning we we create our goals. We we chant what we're gonna do. Or, or we 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 visualize what we're gonna do uh, in that day and what we have to accomplish and the obstacle we have to overcome. And then at night we come back and we self reflect if what went wrong or what not. And then we start again. So it's like morning, night, morning, night. And it's an ongoing, an mm -hmm. ongoing thing. So you can do it as short or as long as you want. Yes. Second part of this, it's what's called gongyo. So this is the secondary part to the practice. And that is, it's a morning ritual, which includes the chant and recitation of two short chapters of the Lotus Sutra. Yeah, the 16 and the second. Yeah. The whole thing, if on the short, may take 10, 15 minutes, or, but you can chant those words as long as you want. Some people go on for hours, you know, if you don't have a lot of time, then you do what you can. But the point is, it's practice and it's assiduous, meaning continuous. Yes. So when you practice an instrument or you're studying for a test, you don't cram the night before just to regurgitate the next day. And hopefully you're not going to remember in two weeks what you did a little bit along the way. 10 minutes a day with a student is better than an hour the day before your lesson. Yes. So 
this is the, the practice, and I think it's very important, as he mentioned, to not stay theoretical and practice it. Um, so the practice, the study, and then the faith. Now, why is the faith part important? Because you want to create things for you, and you have hope. And we always talk, you in society, people talking about hope. And hope is a very important part of overcoming obstacles and becoming happy and um, just enjoy life and the future because it's basically what we can change is the cause we make in the present how will have an impact on the cause of the, the, the future. So these two parts of chanting Nam Myoho we do in the morning and this little piece of book that we do, that's from the practice. And the last one is that we try to teach to other people the same way, or we talk to them, or, you know, or we just try to communicate that they might see us, oh, wow, you always look so happy, what happened? Or you always, wow, you look so, so, so joyful, even in the midst of it, or why wow, your reaction is so great. And there's other podcasts where we talk about that. Um, so, yeah, this practice is very important. I wanted to piggyback on top of that with regard to the actual action itself, which is the chanting and the recitation of the sutra or the gongyo, is Fabrice mentioned faith and study as well. So I'm going to relate it back to taking a class. If your goal is to take that class because you need it, so the first thing when you take the class is you have to believe you can pass it. The practice part of it would be study. studying. And the studying part of it is you got to study. Yeah. No, the practice part, sorry. The faith is believe you can pass it or get the A. The practice part is showing up to class every day. And how do you do that? Through study. So yeah. you see faith practice, study, and it's all comes down to belief system. We have to change our belief systems. And because of this interconnectedness of those three, those three prongs, you may have one strength, one prong might be stronger than another, but they're all interrelated. So you feed one, it's going to feed the others. That's a great, great way of saying it. Thank you, Tracy. It's beautiful. So now, uh, the last part of this uh, podcast is, well, when you, you, you may let's say you hear that podcast and you said, well, where can I get more information? Where can I practice? Who can I practice with? Or where is the people who do that? Well, in order to do that in society, we had to have, uh, we have to have an organization. We have to have way to get information, way to get this mirror, this Mandela, way to hear experience from other people. We have to, we can't be alone all the time. So we have to mingle among people who do it, and we have to then go out in the society to find other people who, who may be interested in becoming happy. So for, the re for this reason, there's a, an organization that was created, which is called the Soka Gakkai. Uh, at that time, it was in Japan, uh, but then it became the Soka Gakkai International, and that's a Buddhist organization based on that Buddhism of Nichiren Daishonin, this monk of the 13th. And basically, the only purpose of that organization is to help 
the people who wants to chant Nam Myoho Renge Kyo to become happy and found uh, uh, any answer, any question, answer. So what we want to do, um, we want to give you a brief history of this organization. I'll start with a little bit. This is going to be very condensed because yes. it's it's far too complicated. After Nitron passed, everything became uh, segmented, and Nitron Buddhism kind of fell dormant for a bit. Well, there was a uh, educator uh, named Sunitsaburo Makiguchi, and back during his teachings of his students. He was an author and a teacher, and he was inspired by this Buddhism because he was reading a lot about it. But he's an educator. So he thought, you know, I think creating value in education is what we should center on. That every kid, no matter who they are, has unlimited potential. Just because you can't ca pass a physics class doesn't mean that you don't have value. Les Brown was considered educable, mentally disabled. Look at him now. Hello, who's laughing? Drop the mic. And that's the name of the organization, Soka Gakai? Right. So during World War II, he, was, he, he developed this lay organization and was attacked by the Japanese government saying that you've got to stop this and you have to employ Shintoism only. He did have a, uh, a protege at the time, Jose Toda. Both of them refused to do it. Both get sent to prison. Makiguchi passes in prison. Protege carries on. Post-World War II, he rebuilds this theory and the beliefs that every of this Nichiren philosophy and carried on with Soka Gakkai and developed uh, it into a lot of households in Japan and got his own protege, Daisaku Ikeda, and he, after Toda passed, he exploded this thing, and then it is what it is today. And Daisaku Ikeda actually passed November 15th of 2023, just last year. So that's where it is. And then he brought it to this country in 1960 and to America. Yeah, so uh, Soka Gakkai, which basically the translate with Society for Creation of Value, and that's what we're looking for, and that's what we practice too, and that's why we, we do this Buddhism, is to create value in the society, so it benefits to everybody. But um, what happened too is that at the beginning in the 60s, like Tracy said, it was only in Japan, and then um, the growth in Japan, uh, we had to expand it to other uh, countries, and now it's practiced into 192 countries. And so, uh, and then the, the creation of the Sokagakai International was created in seventy five. So that's the, the general nutshell version so, of what it is. Right. It's so, a lay organization yeah. that can apply to anything and anybody. It's a philosophy. It's a practice like yoga. Uh, and it's active. It's about you taking action for your own happiness, your own life, your own goals. Yes. And so you can find, here's the good part, why it is, it's, it's great to have an organization and I know a lot of people say, oh, I don't want to be part of an organization. And stuff. Fine, that's fine. But bottom line, you need the information and you need to practice to study, like we just said. So you can find all that on the SGI website and on the, uh, um, uh, in, in, in this organization, you can find 
the people who practice, ask questions, get answer. You can join or not join, but bottom line, you can be among people who been practicing for a long time, or you can just be a beginner. It doesn't matter. And all what we talk in that um, podcast, you can find all the details um, about the history, about this Mandela. You can receive it into this thanks to this organization too. And you can ask questions, you can hear experience, you can attend meetings, you can do anything you want. And that's why it's like a support. It's a support group, basically. So to conclude is me and Tracy have been doing that for a long time. Yeah. We enjoy doing it. We gain so much through the years doing it. I think it's something I will never quit because I love it. It brings me joy, power. It helps me with my music. It helps me with my um, tendencies. It helps me with um, see clearly what I need to do and what I want to do. Um, so there's so many things that... And through, through our, our podcast series, uh, the four previous season, there's a lot of information that we gave you, but we needed to give you... Um, this core of why we always mention it and how you can do it if you want to do it and as well how you can um, understand, help you understand why we mention it so well or why we refer to those concepts that helps us become happy in society. And don't get confused that it's this practice is a touchy-feely kumbaya thing because it's not. It's, it can be uh, internally brutal at times when you start to have breakthroughs. It's uh, anything worth working for is going to be hard. So people may say, why do you do it? Because it's worth it. The practice itself is worth it for me. Yeah, and the result over the years, because that's another thing too, uh, which is I think is a great conclusion, is why would you do that? Well, you want to do it because you want to try. Then once you try, you're like, well, I need to see results. So results, some results come fast and some don't. Why? Because there's deeper work to do. And so once you start to see that you, you see results, then you say to yourself, well, that's very good. I might continue. Oh, I might challenge myself on this part. And that's it. But again, we can talk to you about it like we just did for an hour. But my suggestion is try it. Like you try an apple. Until you try that apple, somebody said it's a good one. Until you try it, you will never know how and good it is. If you don't like it, then you don't like it. And if you think it's a religion and you don't like religion, then fine. That's that's you think too. But it's not. It's a practice. Uh, uh, it's part of a religion called Buddhism, but it's more a practice and a philosophy. Uh, moreover, and that's how I consider it, Tracy considers it. It's about winning. You want to win mainly over yourself and accomplish the things that make you happy. That's really all it's about. And becoming happy, which is the main question in life. What is the purpose of life? It's to become happy. And and whatever it is to become happy, that's one thing. We found out ourselves, me and Tracy, that it, it makes us happy. Not all the time. 
But in no. general, it does. When you're overcoming things and That's why. conquering your obstacles, it's it, it can be ugly and you have conflicts with people. And that it's, it's not just because you do this that everything's perfect and you're sitting under a tree and smiling all the time. It's actually the contrary. It's helping you purify and you stay true <laughs> to who you are and your beliefs. And it, believe me, if, if they're left of center and they're not in the right direction the law of cause and effect will take care of it. Oh, it's a powerful so law. So it's very, the law is very black and white. So that's that. So overall, to conclude, is this practice is based on the law of cause and effect. And that's why we talk about it all the time uh, in all the podcasts of the past and the future. How about a fun, beautiful fun fact? Flamingos aren't born pink. They actually come into this world with gray and white feathers and only develop a pinkish hue after starting a diet of brine shrimp and blue-green algae. Wow. That's one of the most beautiful birds. And actually, maybe I will find one in the wild and then bring my pink clarinet and play next to them. (laughs) Every time I see flamingos, I think about the... uh... The hotel, which was the first in Vegas, amazing. Oh, yeah. And then Pink Floyd, uh, which is an incredible band. I have another fun fact. Can I do one? Yep. Yeah, it's being bored is actually, being bored is actually a high arousal, arousal state physiologically. So when you're born, you're actually very aroused. When you're bored? Well, yeah, you're very aroused. 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 Oh, that's funny. <laughs> well, but this is because, finish the rest of it. No, it's because you're bored, so your heart rate increases. Your heart rate increases, increases <laughs> when you're bored. That's funny. That's bizarre. And that's very bizarre. I had to do it. It's so good. Okay, spotlight. Tracy. Okay. Good one. Since it is Valentine's Day and shelters are packed and you're looking for love in all the wrong places... I have just the right place for you to look for love, and it involves four legs. Go to your local shelter, whether it's city shelter, a county shelter, a rescue organization, and go adopt the new love of your life with four legs. Whether cat, dog, rabbit, guinea pig, doesn't matter. Just see who you connect with. The NKLA campaign in Los Angeles that Best Friends started, um, No Kill Los Angeles, the goal is that all shelters become, by 2025, become 100% no kill. And we are well on our way. So hashtag adopt, don't shop. Yes, and Tracy walked every year and she strut. Yeah, I do the strut your mutt uh, walk. So, but I strut for all of them. I don't just put one name. That's what's written on the t-shirt. I love it. All right. Here's a quote from uh, Tiknan Tiknan Ad. No, other way. Not on. There we go. Okay. So here's the quote. There is a misconception that Buddhism is a religion and that you worship Buddha. Buddhism is a practice like yoga. You can be a Christian, a Jews, or Muslim, and practice Buddhism. I met a Catholic priest who lives in a Buddhist monastery in France. 
He told me that Buddhism makes him a better Christian. And he said, I love that. Unquote. Isn't that great? I've seen that before. That's yeah. amazing. As a matter of fact, uh, uh, somebody that we met with the Morehouse uh, Dean, his name is Dean Carter, um, said uh, when he met that uh, Daisaku Ikeda, uh, he said that uh, his being around him and and understanding Buddhism better makes him a better Christian. And mind you, that's Morehouse. And he's a, he's a Christian, right? Oh, yes. Yeah, he's an hardcore Christian. Yeah. Uh, he might be an agape. I'm not really sure. Yeah. But I know that when he met Daisaku Ikeda and he had a relationship with Daisaku Ikeda, he said that uh, this just even knowing him has made him a better Christian. Yeah. So that's nice. That's good to hear. Thank you all so much for uh, listening. Uh, remember, follow, leave us a review. Send us an email, whatever you want. We'll put some info in the show notes. That's it for now. Remember that we are here to help you rock your life.